Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Lenny flying solo again. Lori is still not with me. I don't know when she's coming home. She's in Exeter, New Hampshire, and um, she's primarily taking care of my little grandson, Joey, as uh, my daughter-in-law, Holly, just gave birth to uh, our new granddaughter, Iris Lou, and um, so Lori's helping out there in, in Exeter, and uh, hopefully she'll be home Saturday. <laughs> hopefully she'll be home Saturday. Uh, they just had a snowstorm, um, you know, through the night, and uh, whew, I know she's not coming home today, that's for sure, but I miss her a lot, and I love her, and uh, I hope she's having a great time. So we are flying solo, and we might be flying solo again tomorrow. But I just want to let you guys know how much I love you, how much you mean to me, and Lori and our ministry. You're so wonderful, and uh, you know we thank God for you all, and we thank God for you always. So let's dive right into it, because I have a, um, a lot to go over. And uh, I hope that today blesses you. Because in this whole teaching of um, exploring real faith, not faith that we, you know, muster up in our mind, uh, mental ascent, uh, you know, willpower, but the faith that Paul talks about where he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, for faith cometh by. And that word cometh by, it talks about, is birth from within, you know, comes by the hearing, the hearing about the Christ, messages about Jesus, messages about Christ. And this is why Paul, whenever he preached, it was really simple for Paul. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, where the power of salvation lies, and he preached his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his resurrection to newness of life meant the audience was forgiven and declared righteous by God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the simplicity of his message. That's what he preached. That's where the power was. That's where all the healing came, both, both mental and physical. And uh, so we're talking about the faith that springs forth from within, that's birthed from within. Because at born again, very important, at born again, everything we will ever need for life and godliness is deposited within us. Now it's a matter of coming to the fullness of realization and revelation and illumination. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that that we become transformed, where? In our body, not our spirits, by the renewing of our mind. This is why he tells us in Colossians to keep our, to keep our mind fixed on Jesus, right? Seated at the right hand of the Father, because that's where we're seated. This is why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, become renewed in the spirit of your minds that you could put on this new man in your bodies, right? In your soulish realm and in your bodies, right? Which 
after Jesus has been created in true holiness and true righteousness. So, exploring real faith. We're at number 10. We're still in number 10. And number 10 is um, bold in making demands. And uh, I'm part of 10, uh, uh, part of chapter, or not chapter 10, part of point number 10, all right, has to do with boldness in making demands. And boldness comes from knowing the covenant and precedence God has set within his covenant. Now, I'm telling you, the more I've been studying the covenant for a few weeks now, and it is just exploding the confidence and boldness that's within me. In fact, I just shared this with Lori. You know, God took, you know, my cancer. Oh, you know what? I'm not worried about vernacular. He took the cancer. He killed the cancer. It's gone. But I was led the medical route. And, you know, 210 radiation beams, you know, did some, some work, some work in my, in my throat and in my uh, nasal cavities. But because of this, this number 10 and this portion of number 10, the confident, confidence and boldness in the covenant and the precedents that, that have been set, just recently, I have attained the place where I no longer cough. At nighttime, I go to sleep and I no longer cough. And Lori would tell you, if she was here, I used to cough through the night and laying in that position, fluids not flowing, everything building up. And also, I would go to bed with uh, napkins in my pockets, my right side for when I slept on my left side and in my left pocket for when I slept on my right side because constantly through the night, I would be coughing and I would be um, blowing the discharge, I'm sorry, from my nose. Well, as a result of this teaching, especially on the covenant and, and having boldness and confidence in my covenant and, and the precedents that were set, I only got up twice last night through the night. No coughing and no blowing of the nose. If you're going to have one cup of coffee, you got to make it big. <laughs> so, so, boldness comes from knowing the covenant and precedence God has set within his covenant. And when you know this is all about Jesus and you're, and you're being drawn to it and you're meditating on it, it, Jesus, 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 that faith is going to be birthed from within. It's going to spring forth from within. And remember, Psalm chapter 89, verse 34. My covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the words that come forth from my mouth. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I cannot lie. Beautiful. You have to remember that. I want to visit again um, um, the story about the Gibeonites and David from 2 Samuel tw chapter 21. God put a, a drought on the land. 
God sent a famine to the land. Why? Because covenant was broke. Not by God, right? Covenant was broke. By who? By the Israelites. But wait a second. See, this, this was not a covenant made by God and the Gibeonites. This was a covenant made by Joshua and the Gibeonites. But you see, because Joshua was, was in covenant with Yahweh as one, it's as if the nation of Israel had broken covenant with Yahweh. Now, I hope you see the importance of that. It's extremely important to know because we're going to be talking about something tomorrow, but I want to give you a little, a little tidbit to whet your appetite. I heard a question the other day. A woman was asking, and it was during um, our college classes, and she asked, what if your husband is not saved? And he wants you to quit. Now keep in mind, not denounce Jesus Christ, not leave your Christian religion, but he wants you out of this college because all the times that you're being, that's being spent in it is hindering the relationship between husband and wife. And the question was asked, what should I do? Now, there was an answer given. It's not the answer that I would have given, you know. And basically, the answer that was given was you have to determine what God has told you to do and, you know, basically you have to make a stand. You know what? Now I understand because of covenant how important 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is when it talks about husbands and it talks about wives. When it talks about how a, a husband that's in relationship with Jesus Christ sanctifies the unbelieving wife and how the believing wife sanctifies the husband. The covenant relationship between the husband and wife is so important. And whether the spouse that's not a believer yet knows it or not, they're in covenant with God because of the spouse that is. And now, that becomes your number one covenant after your covenant with God, your covenant with your husband or your covenant with your wife. That's how powerful covenants are. And in that, if a wife adheres to the scriptures where her husband is the head, knowing that God can work because of covenant through, through an unbelieving husband and vice versa, that God can work through an unbelieving wife. We submit to the covenant of marriage, okay? And we adhere to the scriptures where it says to husbands how to love your wives, especially the believing husbands, and wives how to love your husbands. I guarantee you there will be a lot less conflicts in marriage and there will be a lot more spouses who are not believers becoming believers. But we're going to talk about this because it's powerful. It even talks about 
how the believing parent even sanctifies the children. This is the power of a covenant with God. And so you see, God was in covenant with the Gibeonites because God was in covenant with Joshua. The power of covenant. Now when it comes to the covenant of law, the Mosaic covenant, I want you to know something. God did not like the Mosaic covenant. It was not his idea or the law, or the, the Mosaic covenant of the law, nor did he want it. You know, you have all these, these proud Jewish people, our Jewish brothers, and you ha even have proud Christian, quote, believers who are so zealous for the law, you know, proud of the law, still trying to adhere to the law. Well, God did not like the Mosaic covenant of law, nor did he want it. The people asked for it. So in Hebrews 10, 8, we read, when he said above, you have neither desired, this is spoken about God the Father, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8. You know, it's amazing that those sacrifices and those offerings for only, were only for one reason. God gave Israel a loophole. I was talking to my son the other day. You know, he's a very successful, you know, uh, real estate attorney. And he's, you know, he, he, he goes over contracts and whatnot and makes sure that, you know, hey, he told me, Dad, Dad when both parties... When, when both parties, you know, they're getting along and they're happy, whatever, they don't even have to worry about, you know, you don't have to worry about loopholes or escape clauses. But when, when there's no trust, when there's no trust, you know, or, or you're not sure, or there's, a, or there's a little bit of uncertainty, then you go over that contract for, with, like, with a fine-tooth comb. You have to find out if they put in a loophole for themselves or an escape clause, and you have to protect yourself the same way. Well, you see, you see, God gave Israel a loophole. And what was it? It was the sacrificial system. Why? Because they couldn't keep it. it could, they couldn't keep the covenant. So he gave them a loophole. Here it is. We're going to put a sacrificial system in, you know, where the slaughter of animals, whatever, and, 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 and the shedding of their blood, and, and it will cover your sins, and, and I can keep in covenant with you because I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Our God is a blessing God. Because he said that this covenant has a major flaw, and it's not God. <laughs> because he's not a man that should lie, that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent, understand? And, and if he, if he's, once he makes a covenant, he will not break it or alter the words that comes forth from his lips. And so because he wanted to bless, he puts in a loophole. Okay, Israelites, I'm giving you a loophole. I know you can't keep this covenant. I know you can't keep this covenant, so I'm going to give you a loophole. Try to keep this, you know, and then I can still keep in covenant with you and still bless you and still bless you and still bless you. But, but it, it had a major flaw, this covenant. And, and Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 and 8 tells us what this major flaw was. For if that first covenant had been faultless, the first covenant was not faultless, this covenant of the Mosaic law, there would have been no occasion or need for the covenant of grace. For finding fault with them, you see, the fault of the covenant was them. 
the Israelites. They could not keep it. Even with the loophole, they couldn't keep it. Even with an escape clause, they couldn't keep it. So finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that's Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. And I'm so proud and I'm so glad of the fact of my relationship with Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Because of that relationship, it has made me flawless. And so if it's made me flawless, this covenant is faultless. Wow, I like that. This covenant is faultless because Jesus made me faultless. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 and 17. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. We're flawless. And so because we're flawless, our covenant is faultless. That is, man, that's enough to stop right there, shout hallelujah. That's enough to meditate on it. You know, day and night, night and day. Our covenant is faultless because God made us flawless. How you like that one, Lori? I know you're watching. I seen you. I seen you. Flawless and faultless. A faultless, a faultless covenant. Because he's made us flawless. Whatever. Hebrews chapter ten, verse fourteen and seventeen. Remember that one. So now we have a new covenant, where Jesus takes care, where he has taken care of all the requirements that need to be kept. And he becomes the guarantor. The guarantor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, from the New American Standard Bible. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it tells us, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Why? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us why. Because in this covenant, because it's faultless. Why is it faultless? Remember, the fault of the first covenant was in them. This covenant is faultless because God made us flawless. It has no more fault. We have no more fault because he made us flawless. And it says, for in him, every one of God's promises are now yes. Yes, there's no more conditions. The, the promises of the old covenant, they're ours. The promises of that covenant that was placed, the promises weren't replaced. They're ours. For all God's promises are yes. And for this reason, it is through Jesus Christ that we say amen. We see the promise and we say amen. Because our covenant is faultless. Because he's, he's made us flawless. A covenant is not to be broken 
except for two reasons. And through Jesus Christ, both were satisfied. Number one, he satisfied all the requirements of the law. Every single one of them. He didn't just satisfy thou shalt not commit adultery. He showed us the perfection of the holiness of God when he said, I tell you, if you look at a woman, you've committed adultery. See, he, he just didn't fulfill thou shalt not murder. You see, he said, if you're angry with your brother, he fulfilled all the requirements and all the holiness and righteousness of the law. And the second, in the second way, that covenant was broken, was through death, through death. Now, remember the story about the Gibeonites? 400 years later, see, covenants move and go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Let's say I make a covenant with my friend Bill Smith. It's an everlasting covenant, except, now here's Bill Smith. He has children, he has sons, and he has daughters. And they have sons, and they have daughters. And they have sons, and they have daughters. The covenant between me and Bill Smith goes on and on and on. But now, let's just say I don't have children. Or, I have children. But for some reason, my children decide not to have children. So after a couple of gen generations, there are no more people of my line to stay in covenant. So now the covenant is broken. The covenant is nullified. The covenant has ceased. The covenant has ended. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? that? So now, this is the beauty of our gospel. This is what the disciples did not understand when Jesus was with them at the night he was betrayed when he said, this is the blood, the cup of the blood of the new covenant. You know, drink this. And as often as you do, you proclaim the new covenant. See, this was talking about death. You see, death. You know, the shedding of blood. They had no understanding. They didn't know what he was talking about. Here we go with Paul. This is beautiful, and I hope it's all making sense. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'm more of a teacher than I am a preacher. I'm trying to do some preaching and the teaching, but I'm giving you some good stuff, and I hope you're rejoicing with me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Right? For I was crucified with Christ. Woo! Christ died, and I died. Christ died, and I died. Following me? You died. Christ died. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, he died, we died. 
we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. Now, I hope you're getting this. Romans chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Do you know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, who know covenants, that the law is binding on a person, that the covenant is binding on a person, only that during that person's lifetime. Thus, a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is discharged from the law concerning the husband, and she's free to marry another one. So you see, death nullifies, cancels out, does away with the covenant. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. In him also you were circumcised with spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. You died with him. You were dead. You were buried with him and you were raised. You were not raised the same person. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You were raised with Christ. He was raised glorified and righteous. And you were raised united with him, one with him, a new person. Free to be in covenant with him by faith. Oh man, this is powerful. I hope you're seeing this. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. If because of one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, we were under that, that, that law of, the, of, of death, of sin and of death. The only way we can get out of it is if we died and we were raised to newness of life. Oh boy, this is awesome. Death, death exercised dominion through that one. Much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Dominion in, in life, how? Through our covenant, where all the promises are yes, and we say amen. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification of life for all. For just as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so Christ might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want to give you one more scripture that's very important. Second Corinthians chapter five, okay. Second Corinthians chapter four, uh, chapter five, and we're going to look at verse fourteen. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen. For the love of God urges us on. This is Paul talking about. And why does the love of God urge us on? Because we are convinced. Listen to what Paul is saying. We are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. This is amazing. Old man is gone, dead, buried. 
never to surface again. Behold, we are new creations, united with Christ, one with Christ now, in a new covenant that is faultless because we are flawless because of our union with Jesus Christ. So remember these things. Number one, this covenant we are in is faultless because through faith in Jesus Christ, we've entered into it with him and we have become flawless. Flaw, excuse me, flawless. Number two, with this new covenant that was signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, every promise is yes, yes, yes. But I have, yes, but I need, to, yes, but don't I have to, yes, I do, it's, it's, yes. There's no more, I have to, I need to, I must. I should. No. The, the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And that's where we are. And that's where we're established. Number three, there's no need for loopholes or escape clauses. There's no need for us to make sacrifices. There's no need for us to make offerings. There's no need for loopholes or escape clauses. God doesn't give it in this new covenant. Why? Because it's faultless. Because he made us flawless oh man and this covenant is eternal and everlasting because christ is eternal and everlasting never again will he be given unto death so remember have boldness in your covenant and remember all the precedents that have been established in his word where the answers, the promises are yes and amen. And as you concentrate and meditate and think on, and think on this awesome, wonderful covenant because of Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, faith springs up, faith is birth, faith comes from within, the hearing about the Christ, the hearing about Jesus. Well, it's been 30 minutes. I hope you were blessed. It's a lot. I know it's a lot, but I hope that this is just not more than a Facebook post, you know, oh yeah, I like it. Oh, it's a teaching. Listen to it. Go over it. Look at the scriptures. Meditate on it. Let it bring faith. Let it spring forth that faith from within. Where then you can believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. And the yes of the promise of God becomes yes in your mortal body. This is Pastor Lenny. I love you. I'll be with you by myself on, on Friday tomorrow. I, I'm pretty certain Lori won't be here again. No, I love you. And I'm praying for you. And I'm standing for you all.